It is December 7th, 1988. It's the northwestern part of Armenia. A massive earthquake just hit this area. It is estimated that 25,000 people lost their lives. There's a dad that's driving like crazy to the school where he just dropped off his son earlier that day, just before the earthquake. He stopped his car and all he can see is rubble. There is no sense of life to be seen. He rushed to the area. He tried to figure out where he thinks his son's class was. He started taking debris off. An hour passed. He started hearing some other parents shouting, crying for their children. This is an extremely distressed situation. But the thing is, this dad was not going to turn around. Because you see, he made a promise to his son. He told him many times that whatever it takes, son, I will be there for you to help you. And after about an hour or so doing this, some of the parents were telling him, Listen, just let it go. Nobody can survive this. But this dad just looked him in the eye and said, You don't understand. I made a promise to my son. And this dad just keep taking debris off. After two hours, everybody left. This is a distressed, discouraging, hopeless situation. But he keep taking debris off. Four hours. Six hours. Fifteen hours. Twenty-four hours. 36 hours. At the 38th hour, he heard something. And he shouted, Armand! And suddenly he heard this little voice. Like, Daddy, Daddy, it's me, it's Armand. That morning, this man picked out his son and 13 other children. I know today is Father's Day. And I think this story really illustrates just the power of the love of a father. But I want to take it a little bit further. I want you for a moment to think about and put yourself in the shoes of Armand. This little boy. Talking about a distressed, discouraging, hopeless situation. It's dark. What was fascinating in an interview later, they interviewed this little boy. And he told them, he said, I told my friends that my dad told me that if whenever I'm in need, he will save me. He'll be there for me. And if he saves me, he will save you too. You see, Armand was holding on to the promise of his dad. Listen, I don't know exactly your situation right now. But with what's going on in the world... With the pandemic, just with the riots, all the stuff that's coming up on this world. It's a distressed situation. It's discouraging. It feels in many ways hopeless. We don't know where to turn. Today we're going to talk about how do you move from being discouraged to being encouraged. Is that even possible? And we're going to look at the life of David. And how David 
kind of really were at that low place. So let's take a moment, let's pray. Let's ask God to kind of really direct us. Our Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the fathers. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their love, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the way that you are speaking to us. Holy Spirit, please fill this place. Please meet us as we're sitting in our living rooms, wherever we are. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Father, we open ourselves up to you. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want you to find your Bible. We'll get your Bible app out. We're going to go to 1 Samuel 30. Um, while you're doing that, I'm going to start giving you some background. But seriously, go and get your Bible. <laughs> okay, Go and get your Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Here's a little background. We go back to 1 Samuel chapter 27. And we start reading about David. He has been running away with some of these men and their families from Saul for a long period of time. And at a point, they actually got more into the Philistines' um, territory. But over time, they actually built some relationships with these Philistines. And the king Achish, which was the king of the Philistines, became friends of David. And David and his men actually start fighting some wars on their behalf as well. And it got to a point in the story where Achish actually gave David and his people some land. And the land was called Ziglag. So David and 600 of his men and their wives and children, they found a place at Ziglag. As a matter of fact, they lived at Ziglag for a year and four months. And then there was a time where David and his men, 600 of them, actually traveled up north to meet King Achish there. Because here's where it gets interesting. You see, the Philistines were going to fight Israel. They were going to go fight against Saul. And David was going to go with them to go in this battle. But as they were getting ready for this battle, some of King Achish's people, generals, were saying, No! We cannot do this. What if David and his men turn against us in this war? We cannot trust him. So to make a long story short, King Achish went to David and said, Sorry guys, you cannot fight this battle with us. And so they had to travel back about 25 miles south to Ziklag. It took them three days of travel. And this is where we pick up. So get your Bible out. And so we're going to go to 1 Samuel 30 and we'll go at verse 6. Oh, sorry, verse 3. So when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. Ahonium of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength 
in the Lord is God. I want you to imagine for a moment. David and them, they, they tied off three days of travel. And they're coming over the hill. And all they're seeing is smoke. And then they start running. They start running towards Ziklag. And they get there. They, they're on their knees. They're like, everything is burned down. Their wives, their children, everybody's gone. And they cry. They cry until they cannot cry anymore. See, the wives and children were captured. This was the Amalekites. The Amalekites took advantage of the situation knowing that they were up north. And they probably wanted to sell the wives and children for some profit. See, this is a moment where David was at his lowest low. All he can see is rubble. It's distressed situation. It's a hopeless situation. It's a discouraging situation. And as a matter of fact, David at this point in his life was not that close to God. You will read about that earlier in chapter 26 and 27. But as he was traveling and going away from Saul... He was really hiding and he was really logically trying to use his mind to kind of figure out what's the best way to protect his people. But here David is at a moment where everything comes to an end for him. I want to pause here and I want to ask you, are you seeing some smoke right now? Do you feel like you're at a low, low place? What we're going to do right now, we're going to look at David and how David handled this situation. How did he move from being discouraged and distressed to a place of being encouraged? We're going to go through three points. So the first point, I want you to write this down, is David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened Himself in the Lord. Let's look again here at verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. The men around him, his friends, they wanted to stone him. It was his fault. But David found his strength in the Lord his God. David didn't turn to other people and ask for advice. David didn't turn to other coping mechanisms to handle this pain. David turned to God. He found his strength in God. And I can only imagine that, but, but I believe that David did three very big things during this time. As he strengthened himself in his Lord. The first thing is. David remembered again who God is. And, and, and this reminds me. If you go to Job. Job 38. You know it's this dialogue between Job and God. And in Job 38. God speak to Job. And he tells him who he is. And I just want to. I want to read just a couple 
couple of these verses to you. So this is God speaking to Job. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? Or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you, here we are? You see, we are serving a powerful God. He is the creator. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He is everything. He's our king. He's our priest. He loves us. He's the creator of the universe. You see, David remembered again who God was. We cannot forget this. The God that we serve, you and I, and David. God did not just remember who, uh, David did, did not just remember who God was, but he also remembered who he was. See, David is a son of God. You and I are sons and daughters of God. Our identity is in Christ. It really hit me the other day. You know, I was watching my son. Um, Blaze is now, he's 14 months old. As I'm watching him playing, it just hit me how much love I have for him. But it's not just love. It's unconditional love. Listen, there's certain things that does make me angry and upset doesn't matter what he does, I will love him. But then to watch him and see how free he is, how secure he is, how happy he is, how he's experimenting with new things. And it reminded me again, I am a son of God. I am unconditionally loved by my Father. I am secure. I am free. Because I'm a son. I want to just remind you again this morning who you are. If you open your heart to Jesus and you say, come in my life. Be my everything. You are reborn. You are, your new identity is in Him. I'm a son. You're a son and a daughter. David remembered that. But he not only remembered who God was and who he is, he also remembered God's faithfulness. Remember how, how God helped him with Goliath. In so many other instances with Saul and saving him and the wars he was fighting him. He had to remember the monuments in his life. The way that God showed up. 
and the way it was with them. Don't forget about the monuments in your life. God has been faithful. He's always going to be faithful. He is the rock in our lives. It sounds so simple. David found his strength in the Lord. David found his strength in the Lord. David found his strength in the Lord. Fathers, I want to to speak to you right now. Where are you finding your strength right now? Where are you turning? We need leaders in this situation that we find ourselves. Things are drifting apart. We're not sure about the future. We don't know where we're going. We can only find our strength in God. But it's, it's a choice. Do you deeply believe that the answer is with Him, with my Father? Do you believe you can only get your strength there? We need to get out of our heads. Let's find our strength in the Lord. But let's go further. Verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me me the epot. Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Sounds like a raiding party over here. I think they're on their way. Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So here's our first point. So David strengthened himself in the Lord. The second point is David inquired from the Lord. I talked a little bit about it earlier, but David up until this point was not that close to God as he used to be. And David is a warrior. His first reaction, think about it, getting to the site and seeing his wife and children being taken away will be to follow them and kill them and destroy them. But what is David doing here? He's, he said, bring me the epoch. Now the epoch was, is kind of an apron, a type of apron that the priests use. To cover and protect their clothing from blood stains when they sacrifice an animal. So David intentionally put on the epoch and he inquired from the Lord. He basically put aside what he wanted to do and said, God, I inquire from you, you tell me what to do. In some ways, he had to kind of put on the sacrifice. Make a sacrifice for what he thought was the right thing. Just put it and say, God, you tell me. What should I do? And God answered him. Now, this is something I've been just really learning more and more in my own life. So many times I so quickly logically want to react, make a decision, and think what is wise. Instead of putting my e-part on, and inquire from God. Ask Him. Submit to Him. Submit to His will. Submit to what He wants. 
Are you inquiring from the Lord right now? Or are you trying to figure this out by yourself? Let's keep going. So verse 9, David and the 600 men with him came to Bezor Valley, where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. But David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. So first point, David strengthened himself in the Lord. Two, he inquired from the Lord. And the third point is, David held on to God's promise. You see, God promised him. God promised and said, you will pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. This is a promise from God. But, but, but remember the scene. His friends wants to stone him. Now suddenly he walks out. Do you think they just can accept him? And follow him again? I can imagine David walked out and he said, I believe I got a promise from God. God saying we need to pursue them and we're going to succeed. And doesn't matter if you're going to follow me or not, but I'm going to do this. Because he held on to God's promise. And they knew that the Amalekite army would have been much bigger. I've done some commentary saying it's probably 10, 15 times bigger than their army. They exhausted and we read further here that 200 of the a third of his army said, We're too exhausted. Now, how much of that was exhaustion? How much of that is, you know what, David? I don't think I want to do this. Look where you got us. You see, sometimes you inquire from God, sometimes you feel like God's giving you a promise. But it's not to say it's going to be easy, it's going to take faith. You need to move forward. And that's what we see happening here. David and, and 400 of his men move forward. They cross the, the valley. And they just keep moving. And, and we read about finding this young Egyptian that was almost dead in this wilderness. And instead of David and his men run past to kind of go where they need to be going, he stopped. And he attended to this man. They gave him food, something to drink. He listened to him. And they found out that this, this young Egyptian was part of the group of the Amalekites. He's one of the slaves. But he became sick, he became ill, and so they left him there. And so David gave him some food and, and, and he asked him, will you take me to where they are? Listen, God provides. When we strengthen ourselves in the Lord, when we inquire from Him, when we hold on to His promise, He will make little steps available along the way. He will show you. But you will have to trust that you don't know what you're going to find along the way. So this Egyptian took them to the side and the very next morning they went in battle and they destroyed the Amalekites. But there were 400 young Amalekites on camels that ran away. But they killed everybody and they got all their wives and children alive back. They got some plunder. They took it back, give it to their people and also to the surrounding people. But what's amazing to me is 
you can feel it as you read. And I, and I really want you to go and read the rest of this chapter. It's going to bless you. We just don't have the time to go through it in detail. But you will feel something change in David. There's kind of a gravitas. There's just this belief because I believe. There is, in the way later on, he also give all the glory to God. It was not David. There's all the glory to God. See, David was in a very discouraging situation. But he strengthened himself in the Lord. He inquired from the Lord. He hold on to God's promise. And he got to a place where he was more encouraged. Now, I'm not saying all stories are going to be the same. This story is. But we know this. That our strength is found in Him. We know this. That God wants to show us the way. And we know this. God's promises will never fail. So I really want to encourage you right now where you are. Take to heart. God is with you in all of this. I'm going to close with, I just want to read for you Psalm 46. And I want you to listen to this. Deeply listen to this in your heart as I read this. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Do you believe that? Let me say it again. God is our refuge and strength and and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Imagine that. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the God that we're serving. And just like little Armand was in this distressed, discouraging situation, he held on to his dad's promise. Let's pray. Father, 
thank you for being the rock in our lives. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being there for us at all times. Please forgive us and how we sometimes let fear take over. Please forgive us in the ways that we try to just live our comfortable lives, Lord, and just do what is safe and ready to go, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we can put all our hope and our trust in you. And we know, because we know, because we know, that you will always be there for us. Thank you for being our Father and unconditionally love us. Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen.